chosen by you to be loved, to be predestined, to have our feet set upon the rock of the Lord Jesus. And Father, as I speak now that your words will be my words, that I'll speak your truth in a way your people can understand and that you'll give us ears, God, to hear what you're saying, hearts to hear what you're saying. And God, that we will live in greater freedom today and that we'll get clarity around the purpose that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together? Amen. Amen. Can I have the first slide, please? That would be wonderful. Thanks, Ben. Doing a great job today at the back. Friends, we've uh, launched our series last week, Forward Together. Who was here last week? Yeah, awesome. Um, we launched our series, Forward Together. And, and what we're going to be looking at in this series over the next few months is what does it mean for us to move forward together in our marriages, in our churches, in our ministries, in our organizations, in every aspect of life. Because the reality is that just because you are together doesn't mean that you're together. You can be in a marriage relationship heading in opposite directions. You can be part of the same business and people going in different directions. You can be in the same church and people going in all different directions. So we want to talk about what does it mean for us to move forward together. And when we looked at Psalm 131, and Psalm 131 says, where people are unified, where people are moving forward together, it's there the Lord bestows his blessing. Psalm 133. And then from Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul gives us two keys to living in unity or to be um, heading in the same direction. He talks about same vision and he talks about treating people well. Same vision is about the preferred future, about where we want to be, where we want to end up. And treating people well from Philippians 2 is treating people like Jesus treated people, that Jesus laid down his life for others. And God wants us to lay down our lives for the people in our world. That's how we started. We sent all the kids out. And then we started our first week in the series around LifeGate Church. And I presented to you LifeGate's vision. And I left the word out. And no one told me. I found it this week as I went back over my old slides to see people live. I left live out. I don't know how I left live out, but maybe we just put that in as you read it. To see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. That's what we're about as a church. And we looked at Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, and I explained to you how we got to that. Today, what I want to do is, uh, is I'll take you to the, uh, the uh, next vital part for us as a church. If, if, if we as LifeGate Church are going to be moving forward together, and we're talking particularly about moving in the same direction, the same vision, we've, uh, we've uh, shared this vision with you. But, but another key for us is around our values. And about 18 months ago, we had about 10 values. And if you've been in other churches, you will know that churches have values like we value prayer, we value worship, we value relationship, we value kindness and giving. That values that every church had, and we had a stack of values that looked exactly like that. But the problem with that is that it doesn't really define who we are. And the other part of that is that you, I, you couldn't remember it and I couldn't remember it. And so what we ask the question is, 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 if this is our vision, if our desire is to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for them, what would be some values that could underpin that? What would, what would we need to value in order for people to get free and to fulfill their purpose? What values would we need to have to see the vision fulfilled? And we didn't come up with 10 
We didn't come up with eight. We didn't come up with four. We came up with two. Here they are. Number one, get real. Number two, take action. When we talk about getting real, we're saying, what's really going on in my life? What are the great things? And what are the things that suck? And the stuff in between. What's God speaking to me about? How does he want me to live? Where are the areas of my life that don't match up with what God's best is for me? So when we talk about getting real, we talk about what's really going on. And once we're real, we can then take action to say, well, this is the reality that I'm in. Now I'm going to take action to do something about it, to get free, to fulfill the purpose that God has for my life. Get real and take action. Now, the reason we have Felicity, Felicity, is that what we're calling her? Felicity from Forever You here today, is because she's the exact opposite. She's very tall. I like these boxes. Because if she were, what, what's, what's the going with this? Like, why do they make mannequins so tall? I don't know about that. Anyway, that's the average height. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Larissa. Thank you. Thank you, Larissa. Larissa. That's all right. You can laugh at me. I don't mind. Felicity, Felicity is the exact opposite of who we are as a church. Felicity, it's all about the outward. It's all about the surface. It's all about what she looks like. There's nothing going on on the inside. She's not getting real about what's going on. Rather, she wears a mask, wears a facade. It's all about, look at me, aren't I fabulous? But underneath, we really don't know what Felicity is feeling like or she's hiding underneath the surface. And Felicity, all she does is stand there and looks good. She doesn't fulfill a purpose. She doesn't take action. She doesn't do anything. She just says, look at me. Aren't I great? Felicity is the exact opposite of who we want to be as a church. Friends, if we're going to get free, if we're going to live in the freedom, in the, the freedom that Jesus has for us, the first step in getting free is to get real about what's happening in our lives. What are the areas I need to get free from? And then we've got to take action to get that thing released, to get prayer ministry, to get support, to confess our sin to God, to do something, take action to get free from that stuff. And we also talk about fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. Well, the first thing in fulfilling our purpose is that we need to get real about what our purpose is. Get real about God, what are you calling me to? And then take action to do it. And this morning I want to share with you two, well, four stories Two Bible stories and two Nathan stories. The first story is a freedom story, and this story of freedom where a person got real and took action. And the second story is a purpose story of how someone got free, got real, and took action. Is that okay this morning? That's where we're headed. The first story I want to take you to is from Luke chapter 18, which is some, one of my um, favorite, favorite Bible stories. Hello, darling. Hello. Hello, darling. Luke 18, 35 says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. The blind man called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. 
But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. A bit of context, this, this uh, blind guy was in a really difficult, difficult place. There was no disability pension like we have today. Praise God for our government and the welfare system we have. The government keeps talking about the blowing out in the budget and there's obviously things that we need to think about there, but praise God for our, our welfare in this nation. Um, and for this guy, he didn't have any of that. And as a result, he was dependent upon family members. He was de- dependent upon people who walked past, travellers. And so he's sitting most likely just outside of Jericho. And the reason he sat there is because as travellers came, travellers usually had money in their pockets. And so as he'd stand at the front of the, out, out, as he sit at the front of the city, he'd ask people for money as... They went past, and if people were generous and kind, they would give him some so he could live and survive and, and, and get by. And for, for this man, it was a really, really difficult situation that he was living in. And as we look at this story of freedom, this man getting free from blindness, the first thing he got real about was his struggle. He recognised that he was a blind guy. And you might say, well, that's obvious, Nathan. But how many of us recognise our area of struggle? How many of us are willing to be navel-gazing for a moment and saying, where in my area, where's the area of my life that's not quite right? You know, this blind guy was, was willing to do that. And the other thing this blind guy got real about was his view of who Jesus was. It's interesting in the passage that as he tries to work out what's going on, as this crowd was passing by, the people said to him, Jesus of Nazareth, the man from Nazareth is coming. But when the blind guy calls out, he doesn't call him Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, He calls him Jesus, son of David. Is that what he calls him? Son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, this blind guy saw Jesus very differently from the crowd. The crowd saw him as the man who was doing some really cool stuff from Nazareth. But the blind guy saw him him as a descendant of King David, a descendant of the king. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God speaks to David and says, hey, one of your sons, one of your descendants is going to rule forever and he's going to be a king and his kingdom is going to rule forever. And, And I reckon that that blind guy had an understanding of that when he declared Jesus, son of David, the King, the Messiah, the Anointed One, have mercy on me. And because he believed who Jesus was, he did something about it. Friends, this blind guy got real about his struggle and he recognised who Jesus was. Now, if that's where the story stops, Jesus would have just walked past and nothing would have happened. See, you can get real about your situation. You can get real about who God is, who Jesus is. But unless you take action, nothing happens. And so what does this man do? He takes action by 
pursuing Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. What would you like me to do? And Jesus heals him. And everyone, he praises God and everyone praises God. An amazing story where someone got free. He recognized his struggles. He got real about his situation. He got real about who God was and took action to pursue Jesus. I want to share with you um, my story of freedom. It was about four years ago, and, and I shared this story of anxiety about earlier in the year. But for those who were, who were, who were new to our church, about four years ago, I had a, a, a battle with anxiety. Um, I had these crazy thoughts going on, horrible thoughts came into my mind. Um, I just ran out of energy. I sat on the couch for a week, preached at church, sat on the couch for a week, preached at church, and then I gradually got better. And, and, and you know what? When, when men particularly have some anxiety or depression in their worlds, the, the unnatural thing for men to do is to say nothing, to hide it and to do it on your own. That's what men generally do. That's why we have um, those programs that are advertised is it what's the blue one beyond blue and the black dog we talk about black dog as a way of encouraging men to talk about this stuff is this room okay is it too hot too cold and how are we feeling it's too hot can we do something about that thanks Kylie if we're if it's too hot you know what you do you fall asleep on me I don't want you falling asleep on me Harry behave Thanks, guys. Should be on 23 degrees. 23 is a nice temperature. And so I got real about my situation. And I said to myself, this thing that I'm going through, you know what? It's not okay. I got real. This is not okay. I need help. That was the place I got to. This is not okay. I need help. So what did I do? I took action. I pursued God. And God spoke to me, and I've shared some of those stories. And I, and I took action, and I went and saw a psychologist. And when I was sitting with that psychologist, she helped me get real again about some of the stuff that was under the surface. Perfectionism, people-pleasing, which drives anxiety. And so I just didn't sit in that. I took action again. And I got freedom from those things and still working at it much better than what I was. I learned to trust God. Not just I trust God, no, but I really, really trust God in situations. And it gave me a whole new look at how I, how I do life and, and, and my dependence upon Him. Can we turn that back one on too, Carlos? You can go on. Thanks. This is the air conditioner. I got real about my situation and I took action and friends, I feel back to normal again. It took me about 18 months, almost two years to feel alive and fresh. And I, I started to exercise and I took days off regularly and I'm, I'm a changed man. Friends, if we want to live in freedom, the first step to get free is to get real about the area of struggle in your life, the area that's, that's, that, that's not right, and take action to get free. Get prayer ministry. Get help. Do something to get free. Now, when we, talked, when we looked last week at Luke chapter 4, we uh, saw from Luke chapter 4 that Jesus set people free from sin, from sin, from sickness, disease, blindness, it talks about, and also oppression, where an outside influence has squashed you. 
Is there sin this morning in your world that shouldn't be there? Is there sin? Is there sin? Sorry. Is there sickness? Is there disease? Is there oppression from an outside agent that's been put on you? A parent, a teacher, a friend, a spouse? If it's stuff that's holding you down this morning, get real about it. Say, hey, this is not okay. And take action. If it's sin, confess it to God. Get some accountability in your life. If it's sickness, pursue healing. At the end of every service, we have the worship team come and stand and we pray for the sick. There's healing rooms that meet on a Thursday night and every second Friday. Go to healing rooms and get prayer. Get someone in your life group to pray for you. And if, you, and if there's oppression, if there's unforgiveness, we'll deal with that. Talk to a friend. Talk to a life group leader. Go and have prayer ministry. Beth Curtis runs our prayer ministry. We can sit down with her for two hours and hear from God about and take and peel the onions off the layer of hurt and get free. That's a freedom story. Are you ready for the purpose story this morning? Are you awake this morning? The purpose story is from Joshua chapter 1. An amazing passage which I love very much. I'm going to read it to you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now the context is, the book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. The first book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, is all about the law and about God speaking and about the creation and how the people were in Egypt and coming out of Egypt. And then Moses hearing from God about how he wanted the people to live and the laws that God had for the people. God does it twice, 40 years later after Exodus in the book of Deuteronomy. It's there again. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the book of Deuteronomy, the people are at the edge of the Jordan. They've conquered some of the nations on the eastern side of the Jordan which is for you, on the eastern side of the Jordan River and they're on the edge and they're about to go onto the western side of the Jordan River to take that land. Moses isn't allowed to go in due to disobedience. So God calls out Joshua and he says, Joshua, you're to lead the people. Verse 3, he says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon to the great river to the Euphrates, the Hittite country and to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. I love that verse. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. This is a passage that God gave to me back in 2008, which I love, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how Joshua fulfilled his purpose and how Joshua got real 
about what God was calling him to and took action to fulfill the thing that God was calling him to. Now, for Joshua, this land that he was about to enter wasn't new for him. Forty years earlier, when Moses sent out the spies, Joshua was one of those people that went into the land and checked it out. And as he went, his, his feedback was, the cities are huge and they're already built. Awesome. The crops are already laid. Amazing. There's, wine, there's vineyards for, for wine, there's cattle, there's herds. This land that God is giving us truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's awesome. But there are these people as tall as Nathan Green there with big muscles. Why are you laughing? With who, who, they were giants. For those that didn't know the true story, they were giants like our mannequin, a giant. Felicity from Forever You, there's another plug. Um, that they were giants. And the other 10 spies that went with Joshua and Caleb said, yes, it's an amazing, but we can't go because of these giants because they're going to beat us up. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, no. If the Lord is with us, we'll be okay. But the people chose to disobey that and that whole generation died out. And God calls Joshua to go back in this time as the leader of the people into the land that he'd already seen, into the land that he already knew. But Joshua had a problem. He was freaking out. He was freaking out. God says to him, Three times, verse 6, be strong, and very, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. When God tells you the same thing three times, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua was so afraid that even his army knew about it. Down in verse 16 and 17 it says, his army said to him, whatever you've commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go, only... Be strong and courageous. Now, we might think Joshua was, Joshua was a wuss, right? Big wuss. But before you go there, before you call him a scaredy cat, it wasn't like he was afraid of lizards or scared of the dark or scared of spiders. How many people are scared of spiders in the room? Yeah, wuss bags, right? Um, scared of spiders. Joshua was about to take his army to go to war over and over and over again. I think he had every right to be scared. It wasn't a fear of darkness. It wasn't a fear of spiders. His life and the lives of his people were, were, were in danger. So we have this fear in Joshua and God saying to him, don't be afraid. But on the other side of that, look what God says to him in blue. Verse 3, I will give you Every place, Joshua, where you set your foot. In five, no one will be able to stand against you, Joshua, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, Joshua. And then in verse eight, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Although he was freaking out, God made his amazing promises to him. And friends, you may be in fear this morning and the Bible is full of promises for you. And you have a choice this morning to stand in the fear, to choose to live by the fear, or to stand, the, stand on the truth of what God says. 
you have a choice. I know which one I want to choose. Whether or not I do that every time, that's another story, but I know which one I want to choose. So friends, a story of Joshua fulfilling his purpose. Friends, Joshua got real about his fears. Joshua got real about God's calling on his life. God knew, Joshua knew very clearly what his calling was. Joshua got real about knowing who God was, the one who says, I will give you every place you set your foot. I'll be with you wherever you go. You do not need to be afraid. And it's not like Joshua then ran away and said, God, that's nice. Who's the guy who goes, supposed to go to Nineveh and takes off? What's his name? Jonah. It's not like Jonah who knows God's calling clearly and he runs the other way. No. Joshua got real about God's calling for his life and then he took action. He pushed through his fears. He was obedient to God's call and he chose to trust God. Joshua got real about God's purpose for his life and then took action and does it. And I mean, Joshua for me is one of the absolute heroes because as you read through the book of Joshua over and over again, we read how, God, how Joshua fulfilled God's calling for his life. Amazing stuff. My story, and then we're going to finish. I shared with you last week that I started um, on one day a week in 2007 looking after the music ministry at church here. And then in 2008, I was three days at church, three days as a teacher. And then in 2009, I went full time. This was my first job as a pastor, never been on staff before. Um, been married for about three years. And in 2000, oh dear, here we go. When was Aiden born, Michelle? 2000. And he was born in 2006, but it was December the 22nd. That's what the wives are for, isn't it, Ben? Isn't that what our wives are for? Yeah, no? Thumbs up, Ben? Thumbs up? Yeah, we all agree, don't we? Yeah, that's right. So December. So, so let's say, ended, so pretty much newborn baby, beginning of 2007. I'm working six days a week. And then 2008, working six days a week and starting to lead a church. And, and, and I share with you in 2008, the church was in a mess with people heading in all different directions. And the reason we keep coming back to our vision and our values is because it's about saying, hey guys, let's all get on board with what God's calling us to. Let's all get aligned. Because if we want to be blessed, if we want to be unified, same vision, treat people well. Same vision, treat people well. We're talking about same vision today. Back in 2008, the church was in a mess. People were going different directions. Um, I was out five nights a week. I wasn't taking days off. And I wasn't spending time with Michelle or Aiden at home. I was out way too much. And that went on for a couple of years. And during that time, Michelle said to me, Nathan, I'm not happy. Nathan, I'm not happy. Nathan, you're never home. And when you are home, you're thinking about church. Um, This is not okay. And although I heard it, I didn't hear it. Although I heard it, I didn't hear it. And life went on as normal. It took about three years for me to wake up. It took about three years for me to get real and to say, what I'm doing, what I'm doing now is not okay. During that time, I, I damaged my marriage and it took me a couple of years to get our marriage where it should have been. On track, thank you. 
And, and in that season, I had to get real about the, the hurt that I caused Michelle. I had to get real about, well, what is God's purpose for my life? And it's not only about leading a church. It's about leading my family. And it's about leading the church. And so as a result, I took action. I changed the way I did things. I repented. I was out. Now I do maybe three nights out, four nights at the most. Three nights out a week, two nights some weeks. I now take a day off and I'm deliberate in spending time with my wife and prioritizing her and prioritizing my children. Life looks very different now because I recognize that I wasn't, wasn't fulfilling the purpose that God has for my life. It was out of whack. I wasn't treating my family in the way I should have. And it took me a few years to get that right. And just recently, my wife said, we have a good marriage. And I keep telling people that because I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> we, have a few, we have a good marriage. You know, when we think about um, fulfilling our purpose, we often think about the big things, like Joshua. God's called me to take a group of people into a new land. Or we think about... What career should I go down or what person to marry or what church to go to or, or where should I live? And, and, and we think they're the big things. But I think this morning that actually God thinks they're the little things and there's much bigger things that God's interested in. I want to suggest that God's more interested in you fulfilling God's purpose for your life with what is already in your hands. What is, what is God's purpose for your life with your spouse? God wants you men, lay down your lives for your wives. Wives, honour and submit and love your husbands. And when we hear that word submit, see it as a positive thing, not as a negative thing. As parents, God's put children in your hands. The scripture says to train them in the way that they should go. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. That's God's purpose for your life. To treat your kids the way they should go. To love your husbands and love your wives in the workplace. God's purpose for you is to shine the light of Christ. To be salt and light in that place. In the soccer club that you're a part of, be a witness for him. Love people, serve people. Be in, show people how to parent. Show people how, how to have a full and abundant life. In your business, as a, as, a, as a business leader, set up kingdom principles in your business. I love uh, Sam Riley, and Sam, I just love Sam Riley, he's an amazing man, and his business, Ansarada, that's just booming, and how his business is set up on kingdom values, and it's succeeding, and he just displays Christ's likeness in that place. Is that true, Ben? Yes. You, he works there. <laughs> Does anyone else work at Ansarada in the room? Anyone else work for Ansarada in the room? No, if you want a job, talk to Sam. He'll help you. No, not really. But if, if you're a business leader, set up kingdom values. Show them what it is to be a believer. And if you're part of a business, that's a thing that God's put in your hand. If you're an employee, honour your bosses. Work for them just like you're working for the Lord. Friends, we often think about the big things of the marriage and the job and the which, which job and which course and... I think God is more interested in you being faithful with what God has already put in your hands. And friends, if you're going to do those things, well, if you're going to fulfill your purpose, the first thing 
is to get real about the thing that God's calling you to. If you're a husband, get real that God wants you to lay down your, your life for your wife. If you're a parent, get real that God wants you to raise your kids in the way that they should go. If you're in a community group, get real about the fact that God wants you to be salt and light in that place. And then take action and do it. You know, the problem with our church is that we know so much stuff. You know, this morning, if you've been a Christian for 20 years, I would have taught you zip. I would have taught you zero about the Bible. If you've been a Christian for five years, chances are I've taught you zero about the Bible. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because our problem isn't what we know. The problem is doing what we know. We know all this stuff. We just don't do it. Is that true? We don't do what we know. Let's get real about what God's calling us to and take action and do what we know. Last week I asked you if you were in. And if you, you came back this week, so you must be. Are you into the vision? My, my hope and my prayer is that you get deliberate about getting real, about what's going on, talking to people, people in your life group, get real with people, accountability, and then do something about it, take action. Friends, if you're going to live in the freedom that Christ has for you, first step, get real. Second step, do something about it. If you're going to live the purpose that God has for your life, first step, get real about the calling God has. Second thing, do something about it. Don't be like Felicity from Forever You. She gets dressed up and she looks lovely in the shop window. But it's all about the exterior. It's all about what it looks like. It's not about the inside. And friends, God is interested in the inside. He's much more interested in the inside than he is about the outside. Inside, inside, inside. And she just stands there all day long. And she just looks at you all day long. She doesn't take action. Friends, let's be people who are deliberate about taking action. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Friends, we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to be released and there's morning tea. But if you like prayer this morning, if you like prayer around getting real, taking action, if there's, yeah, thanks, Nate. Come on, team. Come on down now. And if the staff want to come, and come on, guys. If there's an area in your life where you need freedom from, get real this morning. And then do something about it. Come and stand and get prayer this morning. If it's an area of purpose, the thing that God's called to, called you to, get real about it. And if you're stuck or you want prayer about that, come and get prayer this morning. Otherwise, be released. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, that you've spoken to us as a leadership about the values that we have. These values are getting real and taking action. And if we're going to live in the freedom that you have for us, we need to get real about what that is, the area of struggle. And we need to take action to get free. And God, the same with our purpose. Father, help us to get real about the purpose that you have for our lives and take action to be deliberate in pursuing that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you like prayer, please come forward. Otherwise, be released. Have a wonderful morning, team.